This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Les Miserables. Prisoner 0646264? That's, that's not the number. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies, and more weekly, we dig into a new movie with Muha mostly for spoiler-free review, the occasional commentary, and other fun movie topics. Uh, this is episode 402, 402. 402. We're getting close to 409, which is everybody, which is on everyone's shopping shopping list. I, as I, I, I feel like we, <laughs> oh. I feel like we've said before, uh, 409 <laughs> was our goal with this show to begin with. Like if we got to that point, <laughs> we're be, golden. We'd be golden, exactly. But uh, now it has new meanings, and um, it's great. And we're grateful for the company that produces 409. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this week we're talking uh, Les Miserables. The uh, latest incarnation of that uh, that title, um, not directly connected to the Victor Hugo novel, let alone the musical, but we will talk about it and why that factors in. Uh, but yeah, this is the film that France submitted uh, for the Academy Award last year. Um, it is, uh, yeah, it's the 20th, oh, I was going to say, it's available on Prime right now. So if, if you, mm-hmm. you, I think we mentioned that last week. Um, but yeah, if you want to watch this film before you hear our, you know, big review of it, uh, you can I easily find it available right on Prime. And uh, joining us to discuss Les Miserables, we have, from Fast Film Reviews, still on the run from Javert, it's Mark Hoban. Hi, everyone. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? I'm, you know, maintaining a sense of normalcy as as much as can be expected in our current climate. That's good there to you hear. Go. You know. Yeah, it's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, good to hear from you, of course, and yeah, good to have you on the show with us to talk about our latest uh, film review and uh, some more stuff that we're going to get to uh, kind of later down mm-hmm. the line. Um, let's get to some show notes real quick. First up, uh, iTunes user ratings. Good to get those. Helps out our show. There's lots of people listening to podcasts, I assume, right now for various reasons, and this is one of them that you could do that for, and you can spread the spread the news on it. So if you go on iTunes, uh, search right now there on an Abe, give us a rating review. That'd be great. Hashtag spread the joy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think that's actually taken by like Jiffy or whatever. <laughs> no, you should. You sounded like that was a question. Spread the joy. <laughs> period. You not a question that's correct statement that's right (laughs) yes um let's see new commentary track we recorded one last week for the james bond film the world is not enough that's up now on itunes it's a super packed (laughs) commentary track that goes all into bond in general Uh, we talk about the movie of course but there's a lot of just bond detail in general on that one a lot of fun with there with uh scott mendelson brandon peters and uh, yancey burns and uh let's see uh, as we mentioned last week and in, in both episodes from last week, we do have kind of a newer format for the show, and I'll keep repeating it for a couple of weeks just to kind of get everyone on the speed with that, uh, where we're going to be doing more streamlined shows that are less focused on the various segments that we've done in the past and more focused on, for these episodes, our main review and then a topic of our choosing, uh, or maybe it'll just be a double episode, just, you know, basically just more, more focused to kind of get things out there. And then we'll have a second episode during every week as well, which will be sometimes a commentary track, but other times something fun um, addressing the world of film or something more relevant to the time of today as far as how we're kind of handling everything and how that relates to movies and whatnot. Indeed, yeah, because, you know, we're all living in the same times right now. We're all just, like, going through this together. So let's uh, try and uh, talk about it, but also entertain everybody. For sure. So, yeah, that's what's going on here, and I think that's enough for show notes for now. So let's uh, 
Well, before we get to the main review, of course, there you know, there's what we would have talked about if things yes. were different. <laughs> one of my, one of our newest. That's one of our newest our, segments. Our newest brief segments, and according to the calendar, <laughs> if there was not a pandemic going on, we'd be talking probably about Antlers, the uh, the new horror film that's produced by Guillermo del Toro, directed by Scott Cooper who has had quite the variety of movies. He's the Crazy Heart, which got Jeff Bridges' Oscar, as well as Out of the Furnace, which is like an okay movie with a terrific Christian Bale performance. Uh, Black Mass, which is whatever. And then Hostiles, which is uh, quite That's good. That's worth checking out. Yeah, Antlers yeah. was coming out this week, which, again, a weird pivot for Scott Cooper, but just looked interesting to me. I thought it was going to be pretty cool. So uh... I, was, I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, this is uh, very strange and I don't like the feeling of it. And then I saw from, I think, produced by Guillermo del Toro. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I was like, is this the story of the Wendigo? Because that's a scary story. Yes, it's a Wendigo story. So, So, you know, as as you start going to that, that, and I was like, oh, I I really like the way that they're setting this up. Like, it it came from a story, and, you know, this little boy has to constantly feed this weird thing locked up in the house. So I would have been interested to see it. Yeah. Yeah, Mark, were you anticipating antlers? Um, so, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I probably would have seen it, although I, I don't know if it was super high on my list. I, the, I'm still uh, salty about uh, the latest James Bond movie. That one, <laughs> yeah. that was the one that I was really anticipating quite a bit. Um, but, you know, I mean, and I was also these these are way in the past now, but like Mulan was also something that I was anticipating. But, you know, these are sure. these are coming, coming attractions. So we're, we're way ahead of the curve now because at, at some <laughs> point they, they will come out and that's when uh, we can talk about it. Yeah. The, the thing is, like opposed to Bond, which we know comes out in, well, presumably comes out in November. There's no current new release date for Antlers as of yet. It was it was pulled off the schedule, but does not have a current rescheduled date. So we just kind of have to wait and see for that. That's one of the few uh, Fox Searchlight. For the other one was like the David Copperfield movie, which I was really like the armor the, the Ianucci film that was pulled right. from schedule. Also, they neither of them have release dates as of yet. So we just kind of have to. Wait yeah, by the way, that. I think it's actually just called Searchlight now. Sorry, Searchlight Pictures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mark, what were you saying? The, the... Well, the one uh, David Copperfield—that's the one with Dave, Dev Patel. Yes, yep. correct. So that I believe has already been even released overseas. Yeah, so it, yeah. has it? Yeah, Come I mean, on, it, it's, get with it, America. I've, I've seen it on social media and stuff. So uh, a while back. So yeah, we're really good. It's going to be like a year or something before we actually get to see this film. But I, yeah. I'm anticipating it too. Yeah, that one quite a bit for sure. That's it. I mean. To speculate, Searchlight Pictures, which is Disney, it's not going to go on Disney. Well, it's PG. It could go on Disney Plus, I presume, actually, could come be. to think of it. Yeah. Or it would go to Hulu because they own that Hulu. as well, like as a straight to digital thing, especially if it's already been internationally released. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just thinking out loud. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's our uh, what we would have talked about segment. Let's move. Actually, My Spy was going to come out this week, too, with Dave Batista, of course, as uh, the gu- uh, guardian, of of a, guardian of Oh, darn. Child. I which mean, al- you know. Which also came out overseas <laughs> initially as well. Uh, so, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's get let's get to our main review for Les Misérables. Et sans équipe, on est seul. Pas choisi la bonne équipe, mon pote. Hein. Contrôle de police. Tu fais quoi là On attend le bus. Vous attendez le bus là Ça sent le shit, ça. Hey, c'est bon, c'est... Je vous filme, vous avez pas le droit de faire ça. Arrête de filmer. Non. T'es contente, là Ici, c'est notre vie. All right. That's sure been some of the trailer for Les Miserables, which, 
is this our first episode where we've had the same movie title as the title of our episode? Mm, probably. Right? <laughs> I'm trying to think, because we did a Les Miserables when, the, when, when Cats is Tom Hooper directed Les Miserables, uh-huh. and now we're doing Les Miserables. I'm trying to think, have we done any other, like, movie that's been the same title? <laughs> Gotta look in the old, ar- out now archives. Yeah, we'd have to look at the archives there. Like, the, the closest I can think of is, like, doing a commentary for, like, The Thing, and then talking about The Thing. I mean, aside from, like, maybe Out at Nights or side episodes that, that are not numbered, potentially, yeah. Well, even then, we give them, like, the best titles. So, like, they're not, it's, yeah. not, it's not just called, like, Prometheus again. And <laughs> it's, not, it's not called, like, It Comes at Night again. Yeah, so. Yeah. Anyway. Could just be. <laughs> it's weird uh, to side aside. Yeah. Anyway. As I mentioned, France had their choice of films to submit for the Oscars last year, and rather than the highly acclaimed Portrait of a Lady on Fire, they went with Les Miserables, the first non-documentary film from director Lady Lee. To his credit, Les Miserables did win him the jury prize at the Cannes Film Festival. The film is set in Montfilier, the same area where Victor Hugo's no- original novel was set, and follows a team of cops who find themselves in the middle of tensions between different groups. However, their own hostility towards the Muslim, and more specifically the youth community, may be their own undoing. Mark, you've just recently checked out this film. What did you think of uh, Les Miserables? So uh, I thought that Les Miserables was a, a pretty good portrait of sort of the idea of, of police brutality and then the um, sort of ensuing uh, reaction to that brutality. Um, I think for me to approach it, it, it has to do mainly with these three uh, guys that are part of a crime unit that patrol the city, and there's a new guy named Ruiz who's assigned, and he's kind of like, sort of, he seems a little bit green or maybe like at least new to their methods. He's like the, then, he's like the Ethan Hawke to their Denzel Washingtons. Oh yeah, no. So there's so many, and so Training Day. Uh, there's a lot of other films. Uh, La N, which was a, a 1995 crime drama, yeah. uh, also French. There's a lot of recall uh, movies that I think all of us probably have when we're watching that, and that sort of works against it somewhat because I think the movie is well done, and I think it does have you know an interesting point of view. It's just maybe not the most innovative film. But anyway, the the different archetypes that make up this uh thing there's the ruiz who's like the new guy then there's sort of the hothead kind of uh cop that sort of likes to exert control over people uh uh that guy's name is chris and then there's uh guada who is a guy who is actually from that city and he's kind of not necessarily bad exactly but he's sort of complicit because he sort of sits around and allows chris to sort of do these sort of things that are obviously not something that a policeman should be doing and then of course we watch this and we're it's interesting because i think the uh, drama takes the point of view of the policeman instead of the uh people that are sort of being oppressed which is a little bit different i think uh, normally in a drama like this i think you would have seen it more from the point of view of the citizens that are being oppressed but it is from the point of view of the policeman and you are sort of invited to somewhat sympathize with this ruiz character who's new to the group but anyway um i thought it was interesting i i liked some of the way that the drama played out i think it uh i don't know how to say the director's name uh, lady, lady, lee. lady lee yeah Oh, it is okay. Lady Lee, he is definitely has a a, a 
sort of artistic eye and i think some of the point of view like the way that's filmed and sort of the overhead shots and how we see you know this is not your typical view of paris if you think of paris as you know the eiffel tower and notre dame cathedral this is not that paris this is the more gritty urban you know sprawl that are sort of on the 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 uh, perimeter of that uh, city. And I think he has a, an interesting point of view, and I and I do appreciate that. It's just probably not the most innovative film about this subject, and we'll get into a subject where we'll talk about other movies that deal with this, and I think there are better films. But I think it was it was an enjoyable – I mean, or enjoyable is not the right word, but I think it was an effective film, and uh, I, definitely worth watching, just probably not the most uh, innovative film that I've seen. As we get into this more, I'll just give a heads up that we might be go we probably be going into spoilers at some point, just because I think some of the conversation will be better benefited from the fact that we can get into things that take place towards the you know latter half of the film. Um, that in mind, we'll try to give a warning when we do so. And again, the film is available on Prime right now, so if you want to watch it, it's very easy too if you have Prime. Um, Abe, what are your thoughts on the Les Misérables? Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as Mark here. I like the movie in that I like the way that it's actually filmed and stylized. The way that one of the things I was I was uh, noting to myself was, hey, this is really nice camera movement, uh, specifically um, for a few scenes where it's uh, just one take. Um, but uh, as far as the story goes here, Mark, you said it really, really well when you said, you know, because you've seen other movies that are like this, it kind of does it a disservice to some degree. I'm paraphrasing what you said, um, because you've seen other movies like this as well. You've seen these. Um, gritty stories from uh, cities that you don't necessarily think of as having these um, suburbs that are run with uh, rife with like um, poverty and and drugs and alcohol and whatever the case is, right? Um, what I like about this movie is that it's centered around a, a a simple story, and that simple story, as ridiculous as it is, is the probably the best thing about it. And I'm not huge on this movie, like as a, as a as an overall thing. But at least it's it's about, hey, great, we have these three cops. They're, they're not like – we're not seeing vignettes of them like going and busting all these other like triads and whatever the case is. It's kind of just like, hey, they have to go solve this one thing that in, that uh, directly impacts these three other groups that are also within the same uh, neighborhood. Um, and while the it's a ridiculous premise, like what they have to go re resolve and find is a ridiculous premise, like it's – it at least centers itself on that. So that makes it move, right? Um, but as far as the movie goes here, I, I think that what it's trying to come across as is like, hey, by the way, these are rough neighborhoods and whatever the case is. I kind of wish that I had a better sense of it, too, because while it is a rough neighborhood and you have like the shaky cam thing going on, I, I don't really get a sense of the people that live there. And Mark, you said it best, too. Again, I, I'm going to steal your words. It's like it's because it's based off of the point of view of these three cops, uh, specifically on Ruiz, which is he's like the green cap. Right. And we've just mentioned training day is I very much got vibes of that, too. But, you know, in in doing this, because this is actually only like a day and a half of their life, it seems um, what I didn't like about it is that because it was so short of a time frame, you don't really get to the city. You don't really get this like breathing space for the city um, or like for the suburb that they're in. And what I mean that specifically is that when you think about a movie like City of God, where it's like, hey, by the way, it's like the entire lifespan of like this kid growing up in like the um, favelas. It's like, yeah, I, this is a terrible place. I see where it comes from, like where you can grow and become somebody that you didn't want to be because of the circumstances of your life. Um, 
And this movie tries to do that too, but they do it like with a quote at the end of the movie. And I was just like, you know, it would have been more impactful for you to show it rather than for me to read it because I know what you're going for. Um, I think the other thing that I, I do uh, find a, a little bit very, like, I guess not, um, it's not a bad thing. It's just that you have the circumstances of a youth here um, and while things while while he has like a terrible upbringing while he is sort of at the center of, of an investigation i think the thing that i didn't like about this movie toward the end of the the film is just okay cool how did this how did this come to be you know what i mean like i, I how did you create this social proletariat uprising you know what i mean and i that part was just like i i got it but i also didn't get a full force impact of it so well, I got the message of what they're going for, and I, I definitely know that this stuff exists because um, France has had riots in the past as well. I mean, they bring it up in this movie um, in 2005. Uh, but yeah, you really just—I I think it's like—it's a—it's an okay effort. Like, it's a good effort. This is sort of like what I was reminded of last week, Aaron, when we talked about um, Uncorked and Tiger Tail. It's like it's a really good effort because this is based off like a short film that he also made with all these three same actors. It's a good effort, but it just doesn't hit me the way that I think he wants me to uh, – that he, he's trying to make it hit. And I just kept thinking to myself, man, you should have submitted Portrait of a Lady on Fire, France, because that movie has stuck with me since I've, I've, uh, since I've seen it. And I just – I'm kind of bummed out by that selection overall, but still, like, I, I see where we're getting at here. So anyway. Beyond some of the – the obvious framing as far as why France would submit this film, the optics as far as, you know, what it means, uh, as far as what kind of topics it's addressing and who's it's, involved it's or what much have more you. political. Yeah, right. I, I can see that being a main factor in why they would submit the film. Um, that said, I'm so curious what the like French audience thinks of this film. Like if it if it you know has a bigger impact because of you know how relatable it can be by you know by case of living in the area where things are taking mm-hmm. place. Um, that said, I don't disagree with you guys. I'm very much on the same page as far as how strong the effort is in you know what it's going for versus the execution which i think comes up a little short because i think it starts i i really like the way it starts because it gives you this point of time where like they like the french team had just won the they just like won the world cup and so what you're seeing is the entire country is together The, the entire country is with each other it doesn't matter who you are like this is something to celebrate as a whole and so the idea of watching a film go from that to what's splintering everyone what's drawing them apart i think there's a really great opportunity to there that the film just either doesn't quite capitalize on or doesn't seem to know how to capitalize on it effectively enough most likely based on perspective i do Mm -hmm. think if there was a more of a half and half between both the cops and the kids i think there could be a stronger film here or just even more of a you know, a, a linked film by having not just the kids and the cops, but also like the the, the various Muslim characters that we meet, the that, that gypsy group that we meet, because why not? Like having it more, right. you know, like a traffic or what have you style, like an ensemble film. Like I, th- I think those right. are ways it could have perhaps really hit on what it was trying to accomplish. As it stands, like you guys are saying, it's really well filmed. I, I really like the style here. It, it has this kind of... I mean, it's not the same because it's an it's a newer film, so you can use drone cameras or whatnot to film what's taking place. But it's not unlike something like French Connection or the Battle of Algiers, where it has this kind of docu feel to it almost, like it, it's going for this kind of grittiness. Lahaine's a great point, Mark. That's a that's a that's a great film in general. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the 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 what it's trying to draw from, it yeah, it seems very clear. And yes, so by doing that, 
by show by having a you know references to other movies that feel not necessarily obvious but like you can see where the homage is coming from it's like yeah i mean those are some of i've just named some amazing movies <laughs> so it's like yeah you can't just necessarily get like the best movie to come from those either uh from this one to relate to those it's th- that said i i do like i like so much of what this movie's going for and i feel like the thing that undoes it for me not that i dislike it but the thing that like doesn't tip it like higher or make me forgive some of its problems is the end i don't i yeah. think the end is it's too ambiguous for its own good it doesn't like it doesn't find a way to to properly like round itself out it ends on the right. beat where it's like okay that's a that's one way to handle it and it kind of like it's it's the kind of thing i dreaded where it's like i don't want this to stop right here there needs to be some kind of solution as dire as it might be or what have you but really puts a cap on everything that's going on because otherwise i feel like i've i've gotten drawn in because of a very engrossing third act and it just doesn't have the kind of doesn't it doesn't cap off of anything that like that makes me have some kind of specific feeling beyond yeah things suck about this like i get that like i got that two minutes into this movie <laughs> like i mean right. I did. so it's you know it, it, aaron it's interesting we, we'll talk about the ending in a bit but right. um it's interesting you say that because i i feel like i'm more the kind of reviewer that has that point of view that why didn't the filmmaker complete their thought like mm-hmm. I, I've had that crit- – I can't even think of the movies, but there are there are movies that I've seen where I think the filmmaker did not complete their thought, and, and I think I tend to say that more about films than you do. Yeah. But but I, I'm, I'm fully on board with you on that thought in this film because it really kind of leaves it on a precipice where, no, you, you really need to commit to something here and let us know what is your point because without that sort of uh, finality, it does – feel a little bit sort of enfeebled you know it's not it's not as powerful as it could have been and what's weird about that is like i've mentioned this a few times too in watching european films this this movie ends the way a lot of european films kind of end which is ambiguous and it's like well it's up to your own interpretation um and to be honest with you guys i almost I, I thought that this movie should have ended at a different scene where uh, they just meet up for drinks. And I was like, oh, and then I was like, oh, this movie's still going now. And yeah, it, it caps off with like this, this, um, you know, again, this, this dramatic turn of events. But still, I was like, I think this movie would have been better off if it stopped itself like 10 minutes before. I mean, I, I, I like that. I, it's, it's so exciting to watch the, so I've seen it twice now. I saw it back okay. in, in uh, November because I was seeing all the screeners and everything. And then I was like, well, I haven't watched this in six months. I might as well watch it again. So I did. <laughs> and I, I found myself like, again, I was liking it a lot. And then I got to the end. I was like, oh, that's why. That's why this didn't like right. hit my top 10 or something. Right. Like, because it's so like, I'm so drawn in by everything taking place. And even like the second time I was watching it, I, was, I wouldn't say I was half watching it, but I was like doing some things or whatnot. Because yeah. I, I know the movie and I'm just watching it to refresh myself on some stuff. But like even then I was like, this, this is so compelling. Like the filmmaking's so good in a lot of these instances. There's like a – outside of like the political aspect or like the social commentary, it has like great action in it. Like there's some like great chases that are taking place. Yeah. And I just I, – I wish it all added up to more. And Mark, yeah. I, hear, I hear what you're saying as far as you know a lot of movies that do this kind of ambiguous thing or kind of – find a way to not quite resolve something but give you more implication or like give you a like well what does this mean to you type of ending and yeah there are a number of films that i like that do that i think those mm-hmm. are successful films that's the reason this one just doesn't quite factor that way so it's it's unfortunate because abe like what you're saying as far as it could have ended in a certain place that's a neat question to end on 
I if there was more done before that to let me get to that point and then leave it there, cool. Yeah. But it just doesn't quite nail any of those. Yes. Yeah. Can can I recommend that we move into like some spoiler territory now? Yeah. Let's yeah. Let's we can do that. Okay. Cool. So about that ending there, um, you know what I liked about the the original ending where where Ruiz meets with uh, Guada over a drink is that it's like great. Now it's on you. You know what I mean? Like right. here here's like the the blame. I'm just this this third party that was like here with you guys. You guys are terrible people. I like the way he says that. And now I'm going to give you whatever you need to do for well, your clothes, for your closure. Can we just say just put it all on the table? Can we explain exactly yeah, what we're please? So so you're talking about the there's a video that a, a young boy has a drone and he filmed the uh, the kid getting the, the, hit by the a kid getting shot by that flash. Yeah. Not not a gun exactly, but something pretty. It was something from like powerful. a sci-fi movie because the look at it is like, what is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's from Looper. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, it, it, it honestly it did. It reminded me of Looper. <laughs> it was definitely a, 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 a an exertion of yeah. police brutality that should not have happened. Yes. Anyway, the drone filmed it. He has this video, and he actually hands the video over to Guada, and who is the the, the perpetrator that actually did the shooting and says, here's the video you do with what you want. So anyway, yeah, just that was yeah, something. Leave you with your conscience kind of thing. Right. And it would have, I think that would have been a much more impactful thing because prior to that, you see their lives at home and you see like, well, these people aren't assholes all the time. You know, they, he's got the one, Chris has a wife and kid, uh, kids. And then, you know, Guada lives with his mom and you know, it's, it's a struggle bus for him because he so goes through a lot of like, um, he goes through a lot of like emotions. I've, and, you know what? To be honest, I, I will say this. I actually was more interested in knowing more about Guada because he, oh, yeah, for he's, almost he's, the whole movie, sure. he's just sort of this like guy that just sort of sits at the sidelines. What is he thinking? How can he be from this neighborhood? We find this out. His mother lives in this neighborhood. How can he be from this neighborhood and be okay with the way that this other guy, Chris, is acting? And I don't think he is okay. I think we have to fill in the blanks. But at the same time, he's sort of like, but I'm a cop and I'm going to play by the rules. So I wanted to know more about Guada. And then also Chris. Oh, Chris. Chris is essentially one note. I mean, maybe that's okay. He's he's sort of the the bad cop. But then uh, Ruiz. You know, he's sort of like a deer in the headlights for a, a big part of this movie where he's he doesn't do the right thing. And he's constantly sort of following their rules and doing this. And he's they, they direct him to go into a, 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 a the mayor's little enclave and 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 ask or not the mayor. That was somebody else. It's a solace. Sorry. Yeah. To to, you know, ask about him. And I think they're playing with him. I mean, they're not even right. like treating him well. And. Uh, they call him greaser because he he wears hair gel. I mean, so he obviously I wanted to I wanted I mean it, it took him a li- really long time to finally say, guys, I'm not okay with this. And I think for a big part of the film, I was a little frustrated with his character too because he's just sort of like I said before, a deer in the headlights. He doesn't say anything. And I think I needed a little bit more nuance or something yeah. to kind of develop them. I'm, I'm kind of curious how I, I think I feel like. There's a lot of like scripting here. It just has this kind of feel. I don't think it's necessarily improvisational, but I do wonder like how much of the interaction was about like finding the character and then just not like doing enough with that. If they like shot a lot of sure. stuff or whatnot, because I do, I agree with you, Mark. I think Watt is the most interesting of the three right. cops. Right. Agreed. Exactly. Because yeah. of his, exactly what his background is and like the film's not doing more with that, which is another. It, it it leaves a hole as far as how much more I could be enjoying or appreciating what the film's trying to do by giving me that person. Instead, you have Ruiz, which, like, the actor's fine, but, like, 
he's you know he's not that interesting he's just like he's like he's the mediator guy who has you know a good heart and it's like i've seen that character that's not that exciting to watch frequently even if it means like finding something you know a passive way to handle it but even then it's like we have all these other people of all kinds of walks of life, and you have, you know, the, the one white guy with a heart of gold. I, I get that. That's whatever. I mean, give me, like, yeah. give, give me Guada, like, who have, who's clear, who should be like, give me just two cops. Give me, like, a white. Right. Yeah, like, I mean, give you two cops. I don't yeah. need, like, because cause Ruiz is the audience. Like, he's the audience surrogate character. I get it. Right. Like, fine. Yeah. But it just doesn't. And, and the, the thing that really disrupts it, too, is that I think you guys have all said that we've all said this. He's complicit in all of this. You know what I mean? It's not as though he's like, oh, well, we shouldn't go and frisk these teenagers uh, because, like, we thought that they were smoking weed. It's like, no, no, I'm just going to stand here and do that. And he doesn't, like, he does say things here and there, but it's not strong enough where you're like, this guy is the Ethan Hawke character where he's like, no, no, he's really a good guy, like, overall. Like, he's he's his profession is a cop, but he's a good guy overall. You know what I mean? It's like, you don't really get that that um, thrown across to you. And so... Why it really works with the Guada character is like this guy is super gray. Like he doesn't really say a lot. He doesn't really have a lot to say. Um, but things like when you learn more about him, you're like, you know what? This is a very complex character, and, and it, you guys didn't explore him all that much. And it, it throws some neat things at it. Like there's the scene where they go, they go to, they're trying to find Issa, the main boy, who right. is ki- who has kidnapped a lion, and um, right. And yeah, but like they, so they go to his house. And like they've clearly been to his house before, and so you, oh, have, right. you have Chris and Guada. They're interacting with the mother, and the mother's like, "No, I'm not letting you into my house. That's not gonna happen." So like it it, go, mm-hmm. it leads to Guada being the one that goes in because she because he's they share qualities, they share religion, they share they the trust, same thing. They, they trust try, him. They can trust yeah. him, yeah. and so he does. And you know you go throughout the whole thing, but then later on, Guada's the one that shoots Issa in the face uh, with the with the crowd right. control gun, and it's like. That's there's some like crazy things going on for this specific character, and we're really getting none of the ramifications of that as far as who he is. And it's yeah. and I, there, you know, there's an overall way that you can handle some of this, but at the same time, it's like you're putting a lot of like pressure, pressure, pressure on one guy and not giving me that release that I need, which comes again from like not having a true ending to any of this or not having this or that that's gonna like make it overall register stronger. Mm-hmm. And and Ruiz even confronts Guada in sort of the scene that Abe thinks should be the ending, where you know what what happened, and he's like, and he doesn't really explain it. He just sort of says, well, I don't know, I just you know I I, I got you know overwhelmed and I fired. But yeah. I, it, that scene, uh, I agree with you actually. It, it should have been better written, and it could have been the ending scene if it if it had some kind of a something that like gave uh-huh. us more insight into Guada's character. Yeah. And I think the reason why is because you have so much weight coming through toward the end there. And part of this is, well, because you didn't show me their family lives before, which is your decision, it's your choice. But because you didn't do that till the end, the impact of these people, I can't empathize with them as much throughout the entire movie. Like, I don't like Chris and Guada seems like the, the quiet guy who's just like his partner right along. And then like what you guys are saying, Ruiz is the new guy, but still it's like, you know, when you, if you had given me some glimpses of of this before, or mi- mix it in throughout, it probably would have been a much more, um, much more like powerful ending, so to speak. Talking more specifically about the ending, because I do think there's, it's a mix of this is really exciting, but also it just there's no cap to it. It was, <laughs> right. it was where I started to get like the, I see why this is being called Les Miserables now, because now it's becoming this revolution of the youth, this against, uprising against yeah. against everyone, like not just the cops, but of like of um of the mayor, 
and his right. group as well. Like it's it's about like okay, these kids are fed up with being profiled and frisked and shot in the face by crowd control guns. So yeah, right. they're they're like tired of this. They put on all these masks. They get like you know handmade weapons, whatever whatever they can basically fireworks, water guns, and they just start going at it. They're and they're done with this. And I I like on a visceral level, it's wild to watch. Like I got feelings of the raid during some of that part. It was when they're in the building especially, and I was like, this is. This is like the scale suddenly got really big here. I really like that when you have when you have like an uh, when you have an unlimited crowd of children running at you. It's like this is wild. This is something I don't know where this just, is going. Just interject what br- briefly. There's one part where where it's starting to begin and there's three of them and Chris goes not Chris uh, Ruiz, Ruiz I think yeah. says should I call for backup and Chris is like for three people no and then Guada's like yeah you better call and <laughs> we the we the audience know no this. We're getting. This is where everything's climaxing. But anyway, yeah. I just wanted. You're, you're, and yeah, I, yeah, I do want to add that that is moment. probably the most tension that I felt throughout the film is is when they're here because you don't know what's going to happen because now you're in quote unquote their world so to speak. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but the thing that I found kind of like not ridiculous, but it's like how did they how did they even telegraph all of this? Like they just decided to plan this out over the last like eight hours. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really yes. know how this <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Obvious, obviously. I they they say, went to but... the midnight society what? meeting. They told a scary story <laughs> and then I... they planned out their next, <laughs> their next lane. Yeah. I, I agree. You're right. It is impressive with the way we to plan all this, but I think it is sort of a shared consciousness. It's almost like we're going to war and, and everyone already understands what that means. You yes, know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I think that this is why I think Aaron, you said this way early on. It's like, I wonder what the French audience thought about this. Cause, <laughs> cause to be honest, like I, maybe, maybe there has been just all these repressed feelings of like, well, yeah, we, we just really don't want to stand for this anymore. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, the the youth revolt is really what's been um, holding us back, kind of thing. So maybe maybe it is something like that. But yeah, like I, when watching know, it, I was just like, you know, this is very interesting, and and I I like the way that it's focused on uh, this like giant revolt. But at the same time, it's like, I why would like how did some of these characters even come into the play here? Because like uh, there there's another rival crosstown. I don't know what they are. They're they're like a, a drug kingpin or whatever the case is um and he just shows up for no reason it's, it's almost like hey let me conclude all the storylines by having everybody come through like the director and i was like this is very opportune for this to happen i get that i mean it, it really it's really just like it's like two situations right it's the yeah. and they're and they're because it's all the same basic neighborhood i get i mean and there's yep. there's not too much i was worried about as far as connecting the dots between this i just get the kind of movement it was going for but it <laughs> Again, there's just no resolve to it. Like you get to this yeah. end point where you have Issa confronting Ruiz, and it's like whatever happens, it's probably not going to be good. So yes, I don't necessarily need to see like Issa get shot in the face or three cops get burned alive, but at the same time, something beyond like you know meaningful quote. I mean, I, I just need right. I, I need I need more right. I need more yeah, from there. And, or just and like, like abrupt cut to two months later. I don't know whatever, <laughs> but like you they're know, hanging something. up having a coffee. <laughs> it's it's interesting too because like. The idea is that we're supposed to side with the youth, you know, as like they're fed up. But it is it he does go toe to toe with the one cop that really was looking out for him. I mean, the director actually makes this character Ruiz, you know, take the boy and and go to the pharmacy. And I mean, so 
it's odd that it, it's an interesting point of view that they, we decide to follow the cops, and he is the sympathetic one. So it's kind of a I don't know it's it's sort of a mixed message sort of thing. Yeah, it is, and it's when you when you do that kind of ending and it doesn't land the way I assume it was intended, at least for us, and I'm sure others, but you know others really like this film. But when you do an ending like that and you have exactly Mark those specific characters, the only thing I see is not like the key message the director's trying to share, but just like you know hashtag symbolism. Like that's what I that's what it looks like to me. Where it's like right. it's meaningful so, because look right like no explanation needed, huh? It's yeah. like well yeah no I kind of did need some explanation there. I needed more. So yeah, it's, it's just kind of a, it's just more. kind of a shame because, because yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, I do, I do. Maybe I don't need more specifically, but I do want you to like at least give me a reason not to like one or the other. You know what I mean? Um, and because they chose those two characters, they chose Ruiz and Issa there to face off at the end. There, it's like right, right. Well, it could have been any of them. I mean, could have yeah. faced off at Chris, and I think our sympathies would be, you know, toward Issa. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I would be like, oh yeah, fuck these guys. But then right. because you like chose like what you said, Mark, like you chose the guy that like they they purposely took. Uh, you know, he's the one that takes him to the pharmacy. He tells him to like uncuff him. He's the one that's worried about him. And then he's the one that like pulls his gun when he's going to be attacked by this lion. It's like, why did like, now it's like, you didn't, you didn't show me that Ruiz had been enveloped by quote unquote, the dark side fully. You know what I mean? So I can't be like, well, yeah, you should definitely leave it here and be like, you know, it's going to resolve itself. It, it really doesn't. So unfortunate, but yeah, I, yeah, that's, uh, let's let's talk about some other things that we did like about the film because i do think overall we are positive on this movie i just think we have issues some, some big issues with yeah we we really i i right i i just want to reiterate that i would recommend the film i just think that there are issues with it yeah i think it's okay i, I didn't love it i mean i'm probably the, the least on on it than you two but as far as like some of the positives go what you like what i like about this movie is that they they say it in the movie too they don't go through the traditional Paris thing where it's like, hey, lovely Paris, France, and you know, you see the the Ark and and the Eiffel Tower. It's yes, it's a it's a uh, a suburb where it's been torn apart by crime, and <laughs> you know, it's stuff that you like. It exists, and that's what I like about it is that it's something <laughs> that's real, right? I mean, but, if they didn't if they didn't mention where it was shot and they just filmed it and then said where was the shot and someone told me it was Paris. I would be surprised because I, this is this is not my view of Paris. So yeah. I'm, so so it's, it's good that like unexpected. Lady Lady Lee is like getting you know hey this is life as we know it too. You know, like it's not all just like New York in the after World War II kind of thing. Like New York has its own problems. I, um, you know what I mean? I, I will say also, Abe, you mentioned earlier that I think you were a little critical of the fact that it takes place over a day and a half. I kind of like that. I actually think that gives the movie sort of a, a, a focus and it's in it in it and i i actually don't mind that so okay. i i think that uh, you know a life uh, or i'm sorry a day in the life of these cops is a good starting point it is a fairly simple story um right. I mean, there's a lot of components but the idea is is simple i i actually i liked that sort of simplicity of it no, that's sure. why that's why I brought to mind, like you mentioned, Lahane, which is also like a very short period of time, but also movies like Do the Right Thing, Training right. Day, we mentioned. Right, right. You um, mentioned that's one of the movies I was gonna uh, uh, figured you would mention it too. What, it's right about yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, another movie about uprising. That I mean, uh, obviously, it, it this 
movie com- pales in comparison to that one. So right. this right. one is funnier, but I mean, yeah, it's uh... <laughs> <laughs> Fun- funnier. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, yeah, so, so, humor. yeah so I, I, but no, I, I, I can agree with you, Mark. I did dig the kind of like put you fly in the wall type of situation as far as how to handle the specific story. And I mean, yeah, again, like we've all mentioned, I do like the filmmaking is quite good when it needs to be like I do. I think it's exciting when it needs to be. I think the there's a grounded realism to it, certainly before it kind of gets a little abstract of the you know kid mob. But I mean, there's the the way it goes back and forth between like handheld shots and like using drone cameras to show the the verticality of the film. I think there's I think it's very smart of the filmmaker to introduce the act. The drone is actually a part of the movie. And Uh then we do we do get some of these overhead shots. I love all that like because I think it's, those... it's narratively applicable which i think is very clever yeah i agree yeah and i i think that was sort of and that's interesting that's you know how many i mean i don't i like this boy i guess he was known in the neighborhood for doing these drone shots and there's a scene where he's talking to some girls and he's using the drone shots to spy on them and things like that that's all sort of interesting i, I like that development of these sort of side characters so those those were all good things yeah, I mean, the side characters are great. It's just that we don't get enough time with them because I would have loved to know more about Buzz. You know, you do get that one glimpse of him in his house and his dad's telling him to go to school. And he's like, I'm not going to go to school. I'm just going to go and like mess around with my drone on the on the rooftop. Um, I want to learn more about the gypsies with their lions. It's crazy. I was <laughs> like, is this movie just saying, trying to say like gypsies are bad? Um, but uh, I, <laughs> the the overall thing, too, is like when I think about a movie like Attack the Block – um, it's from the point of view of the kids, right, on the block. So it's uh-huh. like, hey, cool, you know, I get it. And then, like, when you finally get to go inside of, um, of uh, uh, what's his face, John Boyega's character, um, when you go inside his apartment, you're just like, you know, it's it's terrible, you know what I mean? Like, you know that it was a slum before, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, you know, these kids really just don't have anything. Um, and that's the unfortunate thing is, like, Mark, you, you said it best, which is, like, because of the point of view of the cops, like, you know, it it does suffer from that. But I would have loved to have followed these kids more because um, Issa is known to be a fuck up because his dad throws a shoe at him early on. And his mom does. His mom wants him home, but also nobody wants to take him. So it's like, yeah, I get it. But the cops didn't do that to you. You know what I mean? Like or unless they did, then show me that. You know what oh, I mean? Another thing about Issa. So a uh, uh, Aaron mentioned earlier in the 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 film they have this celebration that france has won you know mm-hmm. this uh the world cup. athletic the world cup and isa comes out wearing the french flag so that's 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 a big symbol i mean that's yeah. like mm-hmm. national pride i love my country that's that's important you know that's that's a that's a key component to this character and then of course he's divorced from from his country, from from the way he's treated by these cops. So, the, the, I just that reminded me that that was something I I liked the way the movie started. Again, sure. yeah, I exactly that's what I said, and like it, it's just it's a shame to me because I think that's like such an interesting avenue to look at a person that comes disillusioned with his own country based off how he's treated in it. That's a really cool type subject for a story, and we don't get sure. enough of that to really hit that overhead. You know, as far maybe, as the, maybe in in subsequent follow up 
you know, sophomore efforts or whatever the case is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you mentioned uh, Attack the Block. That's a movie that that's this without like it's you know it's it's yelling the <laughs> the loud part quiet. Like it's it's yep. not yeah. it because it's a horror movie. I, yeah, which, that's which a they great can, call out. I didn't even I didn't even think of that movie, but that's a great one. When you can do that with genre a lot easier. You don't need to specifically call out what's happening because it's there in the subtext. I mean, this yeah, is a movie yeah. that wants to put that on display, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Plenty of great movies do that, but of course some are just more successful than others. Yeah, I'll mention uh, I mentioned gypsies. The characters refer to them as gypsies in said film. I'm aware that gypsies correct. Necessarily that, that is correct. not a correct, correct term. Yeah, and I and I know the word travelers. Travelers or Romani is more accepted. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. But they're called the gypsies in the film because they have a, a traveling circus. Yeah. So just point. But they also throw, shout really bad out. expletives, and I was like, what is going on here? Yeah, they're not portrayed as the best in this movie. So. <laughs> um. Well, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Uh, anything else we want to talk about with Lemma Rob? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, we've covered a lot of it. Some of my nitpicks are just more of like some of these side characters. I would have like not not even like the kids, more just like Sala or um, these other people that run these other crime rings that these cops know about. You know, it would have been fascinating to to sort of explore a little bit more. But then again, it doesn't really matter. As much as I, I think we we explicated it really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. High five to all of us. Um, but I. <laughs> I, um, I, as much as I don't want to get involved in Sala's business, it looks like he has some excellent kebabs and shawarma. Just putting that out. I, I want. I was like, I should go get some lunch, but I don't know where to go because everything is closed. Yeah. So I could. Really and he go seems for a good... like a nice guy because he gave him. He gave uh, Ruiz that free uh, shawarma free sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. The sandwich that was nice. Yeah. yeah it, seems, it seems like if you're, you know, you're you're prospering in good faith or what have you, you're probably getting a good meal and a good conversation out of that place. Like, it looks like <laughs> a good shop. <laughs> All right. So as we wrap up this review, the question now becomes, when should people stream this? Should you stream this now? Should you leave it in the queue? Or should you just not even worry about it? <laughs> I, I, I would stream it now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just more of like, it's in your queue or you, you kind of just like, you're going to pass it over. All right. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd say stream it just because I do think the filmmaking's enough for me to be like, yeah, this is a... It, for one thing, it's only what, an hour 40. It's not like it's not like a two and a half hour drudge yeah, of it's drama. Pretty, so it's it's, you know... It's, Fairly if it was two and a half hours, hours and it ended the way it ended, I think all of us would be like, don't even bother with this. Yeah, movie. yeah, it'd be, it'd be a lot rougher if it was that long. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, oh, this is a long, drawn-out movie with no real payoff. <laughs> but it's not. I, I think it's, not. It, it's, it's pretty quick. It's pretty quick, and I mean, it's gritty without being, like, depressing, I guess, is it good? Like, did, let me ask you that question. Did, did, it, did it feel like a rough watch? Because I just, I don't think it no. quite does. I, I, think it's, no. I, think I think it deals I think, with tough tough subject matter, but I don't think I felt bad after walking out of this movie. I don't I don't think it was a rough watch, mostly because, to be honest, I, you mentioned this too, um, the way that the film looks uh-huh. is probably the way, is probably a reason why I didn't feel as bad. Because it's sure. shot digitally, it's got drone camera footage. You know, when you think about a movie like City of God, it's just like, this looks like it was filmed like the 70s, you know what I mean? And so, like, it feels like, quote unquote, grimy. Yeah, and that takes you through just that takes you through all life. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 of course. All right. Okay, cool. Well, oh wait, 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 real quick. Uh, we yeah. got our we got our question for the week. Our oh, feedback yes. question. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Uh, we I asked, uh, what are some great fit? This is our, for our Facebook group, Facebook.com/slash/podcast. We asked a, a question here. Our question for this week, uh, connected with this film, what are some great films that deal with revolt against authority? Uh, Scott wrote The Four Hundred Blows. Chris has V for Vendetta and One Flew Over One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And oh, Ruben, has, Ruben has Ruben uh, has Viva Zapata. There you go. Any other uh, films offhand that deal with uh, revol- revolting against the authority? Uh, Rango. Like, yeah. 
that's a good movie. Uh, Brazil. Brazil, great one. Brazil. Spartacus. Spartacus. No, the... I'm Spartacus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Matrix. Yes. Um, Star Wars. It's about rebels. <laughs> uh, on a little more lighthearted note, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Sure. I just rewatched that too. That's, uh, I'm a big fan of Cameron. There's a lot of um, like teen coming of age movies that are basically revolting against authority. <laughs> That's the you might thing. say that about Breakfast Club too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it, saying a John Hughes theme here. <laughs> right. Bonnie and Clyde. Cool. Uh, all right. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Well, let's get into our relevant chat for this week here. And again, as we're all kind of fixing this together, um, one of the things that we really like uh, on Out Now uh, are movie theaters. And what we want to talk about is kind of like our love for movie theaters, but also where it goes next. So I'm going to open it up here by uh, asking everybody here. Um, Mark, what is your what is the first movie you saw in theaters? And also, what uh, is your relationship with movie theaters? So the very first movie I ever saw uh, I believe was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the Walt Disney film. Uh-huh. And you know how uh, Disney uh, used to release it uh, every like seven years or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously I wasn't alive in 1939, but mm-hmm. I, I did see it on one of the uh, revivals. And uh, I just remember like going to the theater and everything going dark and being kind of scared, like what's going on? And then, you know, the projector would go on and they would start to show the film and you're sort of captivated by this image. You're sort of essentially a prisoner, but in a good way, to, <laughs> but watching this film. And that's kind of the thing that I love about movie theaters is it really forces you to just focus on the film itself you can watch film. I mean, obviously now we're watching films at home and it's not the same experience because right. the phone rings or, you know, maybe other people in your household are asking you questions or, you know, uh, you're doing other things. And the experience that I love about the movie theater is that you're in a darkened room. There's the, the you know, a filmmaker's vision. It's presented for you and you just sit there and you're you know, focused on that for the next, you know, ostensibly two hours. And I think that's kind of what I love about movie theaters. Aaron, what about you? What was your first movie? And also, what's your relationship with movie theaters? I have been told that the first movie I saw in a theater was The Land Before Time. But as I've mentioned on this podcast <laughs> many times, um, the my not only the first movie I remember seeing in a theater, but my earliest memory in life is seeing Batman 89. Um, nice. It, it, which I mean, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Tim Burton's original Batman film, and but yeah, that's the one I can remember seeing for the first time. And as far as the, I mean, yeah, I, I love going to the movies. I, there's, yeah, there, it's a everything that Marcus said is true as far as you know, you're you're just shut off from something for a while so you can experience this specific thing and just this specific thing. You're not, you know, you're not being distracted by anything else. You're just simply there to enjoy or be entertained by, take in a, you know, 
a movie, a vision of mm-hmm. some artist or collection of artists or what have you on the big screen. And that is special. That is something that you cannot be replicated all that well um, as much as you can try as you have, you know, infinity dollars. Um, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's something I don't, you know, I don't like to look down upon regardless of yeah. the atmosphere when it comes to various people in the audience or what have you. It is a singular experience that I very much enjoy. But hey, where, where are you at with the theaters? Yeah, the first movie I uh, watched in theaters was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, also like in 8990. Heroes in a Half Shell. Turtle Power. Uh, and it was great. You know, it's probably one of these the most formidable moments in my uh, my life. But as far as my relationship with theaters go, I'm on the same page with uh, both of you guys. Um, movie theaters provide a great place to to really just focus on what's on the screen, uh, regardless of who's in the theater or whatever else. Like I tend to watch movies um, in, in with uh, less packed of a crowd as I've gotten older, um, you know, whether that's late night showings or, or early showings. Um, but still, when it amounts to it, what's great about a movie theater is just that you can focus on the screen. You know, there's no other things that really take you out of it. Everyone's phone is kind of put away. Um, you don't really hear any rumbling on the streets, you know, loud cars or whatever the case is. Um, all or you, actual rumbles. Or actual rumbles, you know, like in uh, like in uh, Streets of Rage. But the, um, uh, the outsiders. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great place to focus. So, yeah, a movie theater to me is like, you know, it, it's a great way. It's probably the only way to really watch a movie theater unless, like what Aaron said, you have infinity bucks and you can build your own, like, secret bunker. Um, but moving on, like I want to talk about the present. We haven't really named this era. Aaron and I are trying to come up with like an era right now. Um, I like the pre bloodshot era or the uh, the before bloodshot eras. I might I might I might re- rephrase it. Um, before bloodshot era, uh, Mark BBE. In, what's it? BBE? Yeah, BBE. Um, so out now with Aaron and Abe, comma BBE. Um, uh, but Mark, when you think about movie theaters as they were before the bloodshot era uh when we had dolby when we had imax coming out more frequently when we had all these other great places or great ways to enjoy theater um can you talk about like what that sort of meant for the revival of theaters what what is the thing that i love about like movie theaters about 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 like the various types of theaters we had about having things like imax about having things like you know specialty houses that play you know older films like right down here in la we have like the new beverly or what have you like what yeah yeah, so one of the things that I really loved that it was introduced uh, maybe a few years ago is just the idea of being able to buy your ticket ahead of time, like <laughs> reserve, reserve seating. And doing that and then being able to to walk into the theater, you know, five minutes before the movie is supposed to start and uh, take your seat and watch it. So, like, I, I enjoy watching, you know, a lot of times – in the past, movies would open on Thursday nights. I would often buy uh, tickets for the Thursday night showing, and then, but in advance. So I would have to buy the tickets like maybe three or four weeks before the movie came out, and then. But you could buy like the the center seat or whatever seat that you think is the best, and then walk in five minutes before the movie starts and watch it. So that was the idea of not having to line up an hour before the movie starts was such a benefit. And then the other thing is... Mark, real uh, quick, you are speaking my language. I, (laughs) like, yes, I get the, like, you know, go to press screens or what have you where there's not a sign seating, but yeah, going, going on my own, 
Oh my god, having to having to be able to buy two tickets for Anna and I, and like just get there exactly on time, sit down, we still get there early, but get there, you know, yeah, and yeah, just sit where I want to, and not have to worry about getting there early, not stress everyone else out that I'm going with to that, we have to get there early, just right. being like, I'm here, this is my seat, and it's, that is, as one that's done so many, like, let me buy tickets in advance, let me get to the line hours early for this midnight screening of the dark night like whatever let me let me put my coat down across these four other seats. yeah let me let me be the one guy that got here early so i have to protect seven seats while i wait for my <laughs> stupid friends to arrive two minutes before the movie starts yeah right. i am so happy <laughs> with reserve seating <laughs> yeah and I, i'm you just have to be keenly aware of when those tickets go on sale so that is that's the that the part that falls on me but if 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 you're aware you know and it, it varies generally from uh, uh, most movies it, it tends to be i don't know seems to be a week or two before the movie comes out if it's something major like star wars it's like you know th- two or three months before uh-huh, but as sure. long as you can you know know when that's going to happen you can get pretty decent seats and like you said walk in when you know the five minutes before the movie starts the other thing that i really love about movie theaters that they've recently introduced is what they call luxury loungers these Mm -hmm. like almost lazy boy seats where you essentially can sprawl out you almost feel like you're watching it in your living room and honestly these seats are so big i still feel like i'm a pretty safe distance even from the person that is sitting literally right next to me because it's such a it's a large seat so I mean, we'll talk about like what the future holds, but I think these kinds of seats and these sort of large areas is a good thing. You know, not seats that are literally right up where you have to share an armrest with someone that that might die. I don't even know if that will ever exist in the future. But as far as these luxury loungers are concerned, I think this is the future. I think this is something that we need to embrace. And it also enhances the experience. Aaron, what about you? What uh, what was going well for you before Bloodshot? <laughs> I mean, yeah, the advanced seating—that's great. Advanced ticketing. Um, the I'm like I'm 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 mostly with Mark on the big recliner seats. I feel like it's just like not the bigger the better is not my not my preference on those. Like I I like a I like a good seat that can recline and like have a little table for food or whatever. Like that's fine. But when it gets too big, I get way too comfortable, and it's like I I want to. I kind of like having that just that bit of restriction that makes me have to like pay attention to the movie because it's like so you don't fall asleep. (laughs) Yeah, basically, I don't tend to. I'm not the. I don't tend to fall asleep, but at the same time, it's like. But I mean, if there's there's there's, I can be comfortable at home if I want to be that level of comfortable. I can. I I like having a sense. There's like a bit of alertness that like having a movie theater seat brings to me. (laughs) Of course, I I enjoy. But I do like you know. There's some theaters that are better designed with that recliner aspect in mind than others that I enjoy. I mean, as far as in, on a general level, two things. One is IMAX. I yep. am, I'm huge on IMAX. The, the is but is as good as a as good of a home theater system as you can set up. Um, nothing replicates the IMAX experience, and I'm I'm very big on the directors um, that have very much tried to work that format into their films. Obviously, Nolan comes to mind among others, um, where they're utilizing IMAX cameras. They're giving you something that you cannot do differently. Like even 3D became a huge thing at home for a while. You can't do IMAX at home. And I think right. that's that's something that's very, I mean, not only is it an evolution of cinema as far as just how to increase the scale and really do something unique, it, it's something that 
is very special to this specific time and place. Just like the theater. Like, you can't do the theater at home unless you have mm-hmm. really adventurous kids. Um, but the... But, <laughs> but, or but, for little women. But, yeah, exactly. So, but in, but in IMAX screen, especially a real IMAX screen, like, it's it's great. Like, it's a great experience to, you know, see... Go to the Dark Knight again. See the damn truck flip over for the first time in a giant IMAX frame. It's like that's amazing. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't get that first experience any other way. The other thing is these, yeah, it is the smaller specialty theaters that are playing, like that have really cool lineups of like older films. Whether it's like a, we're doing a Kurosawa marathon this month or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a preference as far as. Compared to like the Fathom events, I can admire because it exists and it is good for I think audiences to see older films that otherwise they might not pay much attention to because it is very much worth championing movies that came out before 1980, um, sure. <laughs> but that like aren't just Star Wars or Jaws, uh, but like be you know those films they all show them generally did they show them digitally. Which is, you know, it is what it is. I, I understand that not every theater can just bring in the 35 millimeter prints of something, but I do really like being able to go to, and I'm privileged in that way, but going able to go to like L.A. or whatnot and go to like The Egyptian with Honor to see 2001 or um, uh, Lawrence of Arabia in 70 millimeter presentations. Like that's great. Right. I think that that's. I, I like that there are theaters that are making the effort to bring, you know, bring these old classics, these masterpieces, these things that deserve to be seen on the big screen, making them readily available for public to watch at that level and not just wait for, you know, a streaming uh, some in some capacity on a tablet or what have you. So I, 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 I we'll, we'll talk about, I guess, what the future is going to hold. But I mean, that is something that was, you know, a big thing that's not only a highlight for me personally, as far as what I'm able to kind of see for the first time or just revisit, but in a new way, but for audiences in general that are, that could be more inclined to want to go and see something that they have not seen before that represents yeah. how cinema got to the point that it's at. If I can just piggyback on what you just said, the um, Alamo Draft House is a theater chain that makes their selections that are a little bit somewhat off the beaten path. So I like that. The thing about Fathom Events, and I I, I applaud what they do, but they tend to constantly show the same film over and over. Uh I I, I get that Casablanca is a good movie. I get that Gone with the Wind. I I enjoy Gone with the Wind. I know not everybody does, but I enjoy that film. I don't need to see that movie again. We've had many opportunities to see that movie. Alamo Drafthouse has a tendency to pick movies that are a little bit odder or things that are worthy of seeing, but not the standard choices. So I do like that about that theater chain. For sure, yeah, it'd be cool, yeah, not just to see, yeah, Casablanca again or what have you, but see, I don't know, like McCabe and Mrs. Miller, like you know, just something like random that's also a classic. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like yeah. there's a lot of great options from all of history of cinema that could be presented to an audience that would more than likely be seeing it for the first time, or at least for the first time in a long time. So it's probably over a hundred years worth. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, some would say. <laughs> Abe, Abe, where are you at with uh, kind of how what, what how you're seeing movies and yeah, I mean in the, in the BBE era. In the BBE era, what what I really liked about the BBE era was that in the recent years, it had been a race against the streaming effects, right? So it was like, hey, how can I get people to come into the theaters more often? And I really liked the way that they had set up great Dolby theaters, and then they also set up um, some other ways that you can watch movies that you can't really experience any other way else. Aaron, you mentioned IMAX, and to be honest, I love watching an IMAX movie, and it's mostly because... Uh, I know that not not all of it might be filmed on IMAX, but still, it is one of those experiences where, hey, 
he shot it with an IMAX lens. Some scenes are going to look amazing, uh, greater than others. So when you're watching something like Inception or you're watching like Dunkirk and you're just like, wow, this looks amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but the other thing that I really like about um, theaters uh, in the BBE era is the way that it can really feel like it's your own. If that makes sense, like you go to these theaters pretty frequently, you go to them pretty uh, often and you're like, well, yeah, I definitely know the layout of the theater. I, I know like, you know, which theater I don't want to go into uh, in terms of like the, the screening room number, because I don't like the lamp that's like on the left hand side. You know what I mean? Like, it's very strange because these aren't our homes, but they kind of like they can almost act our, as our homes because we watch so many movies. Um, so what I liked about it is like this feeling of like not security per se, but more just like familiarity. It's like, yeah, I really do appreciate this. The other thing I really like about movie theaters uh, in the BB era was these smaller theaters, like you will, um, I, I'm sure that you have them too, Aaron, but up here in the Bay, um, Mark, you probably, you and I probably have been to some of these before where it's like, it's literally like a 40 seat theater, maybe even less. Um, and not a whole lot of people go there because it's like a, a theater chain that nobody really goes to see. And it's like in a, in an obscure suburb town. But I really like those because when I watched marriage story fairly recent, it was with like three other people in a small, tiny room, but it felt like it was like our room. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a, it's a very strange feeling of having community, even though everyone is experiencing this movie on their own. Some of the uh, landmark theaters do have screening rooms that are like literally like maybe seat 20 people. I don't know if you've been to like yeah. the, the landmark up in um, the Embarcadero in San Francisco. Yes. But, yeah. but there is there are a couple of theaters in that theater chain that are literally like maybe 20 people. Right. Yeah. They got a couple so, of those down by they Yeah, they got. One by me in particular, um, yeah. Century City. That's it is like the lounge chairs and like love seats and things. And so it's yeah, only, you can you only get, do like you still have the lounge, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's yeah, like there's maybe, one over maybe like thirty people at most. Exactly, yeah. There's like one over near uh, near me where it still has like three lit three types of uh, seatings. But the last it's actually, thing I'll say it's, about, actually, it's actually where I saw the was robbed the first time was in that landmark theater <laughs> that had like the big like lounge Comfy chairs. chairs. Yeah. 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 Um, and the last thing I'll say is like what I liked also about movie theaters in the VE era was just that I liked experiencing different kinds of theaters. Like I've never been to the New Beverly, but I would love to go check that out. I've never been to the ArcLight, but I'd love to go check that out. And I kind of just like like back in the day, like, I, you know, we're all we've only been alive for like 30, 30, 40 years. But it's like in like the 90s, whatever else, you know, the not, not all of us could go to Los Angeles to go get the new Egyptian or like man's Chinese theater. You know what I mean? So the local theaters. Uh, like the United Artists of the World, they would paint the interiors like the way that it was like, hey, we're thematically, we're the Egyptian theater for Fresno. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, wow, this is kind of neat. Uh, and then I, I think we've kind of moved away from that to become a little bit more like a uh, copy and paste model, but still. Very modern, yeah. Yeah. Because, like even like you know, now, um, Regal is really changing their things to be very modern. And I, mm. I it's it's whatever but it's like huh. yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's like but compared know. to how it was where like and you're saying like you're saying like there's one major one by me that did have like they had like there was like it because it's like a multiplex so that's 20 theaters and like four of them were painted like the chinese and the egyptians yes, exactly. what have you and then the rest of them were all regular but it's like well you really feels like they're trying to do something here and yeah. now it's yeah it's more homogenized and it's like okay <laughs> well let's move into like the the questions that are arising now and, and Mark, I'll turn to you first again. Um, you know, what, what 
what's in store for theaters? You know, we've been hearing stories about maybe some theaters. They're seeking additional funding to keep going. You know, they definitely need people to come back. And if they don't, then maybe July might be the time in which they run out of money. So uh, I, I ask you first, you know, what do you think? Um, what now? Like, what do you think is going to happen after the, the COVID-19 era? Because not only is it the theater itself, but also the way that we have as humans, we've basically started to really become OK with social distancing. Yeah, I mean, so this is such a speculative question, and I, all I can do is just sort of guess based on like what I see in being reported. I would imagine that at some point, and I'm not sure when, but they will reopen theaters and people will be able to sit, but you know, uh, spaced out. Mm-hmm. So, I, and they started to kind of do this before they closed theaters, where you could buy seats, uh, but you could not you would not be sitting right next to the person. So I would imagine that at some point, you know, July, I don't know. Right. It's, it's, I just can't tell, but that is the, right now that's the plan. And you, let's say they open them in July. I would imagine that you would probably walk into a theater. You would be seated. If you're with someone, you would could sit next to them, but anyone else, you would have to at least be at one or two seats uh, spread out and perhaps you'd have to wear a face mask because you're in an enclosed room. I, I mean, that's my idea. I, 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 it's hard to say. I don't think it'll happen in July, but that's right. what the plan is right now. Uh, you know, I don't know. It, yeah. It's really hard to, for me to speculate on it. Yeah. yeah, we're in the, you know, there's only so much to say at that point. There, Yeah, like the... We'll get to this when we get to well, it because there's been no like plan as of changes yet. But like Tenet is the big film that's gonna come that's supposedly coming out at the, towards the end of July. The Christopher Nolan film that's still scheduled for July as of now. And if it changes, I won't be surprised. But it's like that's whatever film is the one that like becomes the first like big blockbuster to open up in this post bloodshot era <laughs> is um, <laughs> is is gonna. I mean, that's gonna be a big test, right? That's gonna be not you know not only like is the film successful or not, but like why is it successful like what is it doing like is it making less money because there's less people attending is it making less money or more money like i i don't i don't know what that answer is going to be but i will be very curious as to how studios respond based off what the attendance levels are going to be for these kind of major movies yeah and i i kind of feel the same way as you guys do i mean obviously i personally would be like i don't know if i i would be one of the first ones to go out to go to a movie because i would want to know a did you thoroughly clean all the seats and every every theater within your establishment you know what i mean and it's like i also i agree with mark on the spacing it's like i would want to feel as though i'd have to be like three spaces away from somebody which is very inconvenient for a theater because if you're trying to sell out and make you know your mortgage or rent payments you have to sell a lot of seats you know um and they can't like increase the number of shows per per day I guarantee you that once theaters open, they're not selling out the entire theater. Of course, I don't yeah. know what kind of spacing they're going to be doing, but I can guarantee that people will – they will not be selling out the entire theater. That's just yeah. – won't be happening. I, I, I definitely agree, and I think I'm on the same page of just – I don't think that people will go back to the theaters in mass even if it opens up in July for a Christopher Nolan movie. Um, it's just – very unsure times, and, and uh, I think people who really want to be sure um, – 
might have to wait till later. But and I mean, suffice it, it to say, I, I expect Tenet to be moved. I think they're just trying to figure out yeah. what the schedule they want to have is because they're not gonna they're not gonna put it in December. They're gonna it'll go either to October or next year. Honestly, yeah. like that's what's gonna happen. Right. Like which a I, lot of people are moving toward. You know, like a lot of a lot of movies are moving toward uh, 21. So yeah, I mean, it, we're at a point where we're just basically like shifting everything a year away. And it's yeah. like, well, that's just how it is. I mean, that's what that's what it comes down to. Right. I have a question. So do you guys feel like, I mean, would you welcome them to release some of these big budget Hollywood blockbusters on VOD? Or yeah. are, you, are you the feeling like, no, 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 I need to see it in the theater. Wait. That's a good question. This is actually something because, that we, so we have. And underlying, underlying my question is, if the wait is a year from now, then I will put my I want to see these movies. So I, yeah. I would rather see it on VOD now than have to wait a year to see the next James Bond film. Yeah, we, we actually have a very interesting topic that's going to come up soon. Um, but to answer your question, there are probably some movies that I'd be willing to pay X number of dollars for um, to see not now specifically, but like within this this uh, year, you know what I mean? Because um, as much as I do want to see, like you know, let's say Tenant, for example, I would love to see Tenant in IMAX because I know that Nolan I loves agree. to, to yeah. shoot in in IMAX. It is one of those things where it's like you know, if it's a year later and we're still in uncertain times, then yeah, I might as well just watch it at home, and so we can have a an out now podcast about it. Well, and you have an out now podcast about it when it came out. What's that? When we have a podcast about it when it came out. We'd also have two of them. We'd have one where where we watch it at home, and then one when it when it actually came out. Yeah, but I okay. But <laughs> I'm I'm presuming the if the movie came out on VOD, it just would never go to theaters. So in that scenario, right. yeah, yeah, when we just have, I, I saw we'd, we'd have we'd, what I'm saying is we'd have the episode anyway. So I mean, my concern. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I, there was some I'll, talk let me, about. I'll, let me let me say this because okay. I disagree, honestly. I don't. Yep. It's it's not like I feel the studios owe me something or anything like that. If no, no, not at all. Got, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, if the movie's not coming out till it comes out, I'm gonna wait. I'm not gonna be like, you know, I'm not gonna rally for the idea of it coming out on VOD. I want to see the movie in the theater. I'm gonna wait to see it in the theater. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I love James Bond. I have a, I have, I have, I used to. I have one James Bond poster on my wall right now. I am not, I'm not concerned about if I'm not gonna be able to see it in the theater and need to see it on VOD instead. I just want to see the new James Bond movie in the theater. So if I have to wait to see that, I will wait to do that. I, I don't, I don't. For these big blockbusters, yeah, it makes a difference to me to the point of I'm willing to wait if that's what's agreed upon as far as when to see this movie. I don't feel like I'm going to benefit from seeing it sooner just because that's the current available option. How long are you willing to wait? I, I, I don't have an answer to that just because I haven't had to be presented with that situation before. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's understandable. Like if, if, like if you told me point blank to my face, the movie's finished, but you have to wait five years. Okay, probably I'll wait. I'll watch it at home. Fine. But I mean, <laughs> but, but right now I don't know what that answer is. So yeah, if, I mean, if, if, it's, if, it's, if it's between five years, then God help us all. Sure. But, yeah, but if it's oh, between, wow. like, if, yeah, I'd it's be like, yeah, like, we definitely need to like start uh, building. Yeah, we're gonna own. we're gonna develop a new system at that point. <laughs> yeah. But if you're, but if you're telling me if you're telling me November to maybe July next year. No, no, July, yeah. November, November is not. I, I can wait. Until no, I, I, know, I know you're not saying that. Either, I, I think but, that uh, we can all, we can all three here wait till like December also, next year. I, I don't think the studios owe me anything. This, this is born out of an idea that I just love movies and I, sure. I can't wait to see it. That's what that's about. 
Yeah, there. I mean, I yeah. can't wait to see this. I can't wait to see Fast Fast Not for F F F nine. But um, <laughs> but um, when is Han gonna get his his justice? But but right now, like, I'm not in the point where I I I did if like you presented me this option to see it on VOD instead of like it's never gonna go to theaters. I'm not gonna say yes to that. I'm gonna be right, like, right, right yeah. now. I'm I fine. Don't, with yeah, it. I yeah. don't think that's what Mark was saying. That's why. Yeah, I'm not. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I just. Well, I guess if, within reason is the best way to put it, but I just don't know what that limit is right now, especially for yeah. movies that are completed. Like Bond is done. Like is that they're not finishing Bond. It's done. Right. It's ready to be released. Well, I mean, and yeah. there are no new movies being made right now. So, I mean, at some point we're going to have a period where there are no films essentially to release because there wasn't anything being made at that time. Well, we'll see what happens. They're going to pull all those like uh, holds that they've been putting on the shelves. Uh, and they're just going to release them all. All these like. Well, yeah. So there are a lot of films yet yeah, that are being released on VOD right now that uh, were made in the past, and now they're finding distributors and things. And you know, I'm sure Steven Soderbergh's like made a couple Zoom movies <laughs> by now that I can't wait to see. <laughs> and even you know, we're going to watch cre- Unfriended 34 by the time we're done with all there's, this. There's some, there's some creative people. I mean, the uh, what's the name? David Sandberg did Shazam and. Um, Lights Out. He made a short film with his wife, as he did, as he did with Lights Out. He made another short film that's like suitably creepy. And I'm like, yeah, good for him. He keeps keeping creative. I, I look forward to seeing what various filmmakers can do in their off time, given everything that's going on right now. Of course, yeah. But obviously, yes, we're not gonna swarm the theaters with three minute YouTube clips. We're gonna like wait to see some big movies. I think I was listening to like a different uh, show the other day, and they're like, "This is when the YouTubers take over," and I was like, "Please, no." It's like, if anything, I'd rather watch, like, reruns of uh, Casablanca over and over and over again at a, at a theater than watch, like, a YouTuber make, like, a, a an hour-long movie. I'd be like, I'd be really so not see, into that. See, there's a, I mean, leaning into Mark's question about, like, a, a period where there won't be that much because of how much stuff got delayed. There is a perfect, I mean, assuming that you're going to the theater and it's a safe environment put old movies into theaters <laughs> like that's not a that's not a hard right. thing to do right put well, more old movies I, and i'm okay with that yeah, yeah. I, that that i'm i don't know of course how. i'm gonna watch la confidential on the big screen oh my god right. i'd love to watch la confidential on the big screen but i mean understandably yes i know that there's it's more niche uh to say yeah let's you know put on some 70s altman as opposed to a brand new spanking movie <laughs> but i mean at the same time I'm gonna go. Alfred Hitchcock or John Ford Film Festivals. I'm there. You know. Yeah, do it. Yeah, but let's watch. <laughs> not, even, not even John Ford. Let's How about watch, even just Tom Ford? Let's watch the uh, the 39 Steps and the uh, Grapes of Wrath <laughs> back to back. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that was a discussion that we had about where movie theaters are going to be going next. Um, thanks for indulging that discussion, Mark. And again, we'll, we'll have more of these like very interesting times discussions. These BBE post BBE. Post BEB, post BE, PBE discussion uh, topics in the future. <laughs> I know we've got to, we'll figure out the name for sure. I, I just like that you're attaching so strongly to the before Bloodshot era. <laughs> so can you go into like how did you decide Bloodshot? Because that was right around we were, the time we were just uh, coming up with names, and Aaron wrote one down. I was like, this is a funny name, and because well, yeah, he had used something they, in Twitter. Uh, before the before times but i mean yeah the because bl- onward blood, would serve around there too bloodshot was a week but we, later but yeah blood, but we did yeah. do a review for onward yeah but bloodshot was for one thing the the title's compact for one thing but also yeah it's it's ridiculous it's a ridiculous movie yeah but also it's you know it was it's that and what the hunt 
Um, those were and yeah. what's that third one? The was it the no the way back was with onward. So it was the hunt. Forget what's the other what? one? There was there was one yeah, third like, movie. Uh, it, man, I can't. Uh, what can't happened to the before? You can't remember the before times? No, it's, it's been <laughs> such a long time. I can't remember the before times. But yeah, it it came down to what was um. Let me find this. I'm gonna find yeah, this. Gonna now I'm like concerned. What, what came out in March? It was that last weekend in March before we. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, it was, Bloodshot. The Hunt. Um, the Hunt. Or Emma. Well, Emma's was like in limited. Emma was the week before. I still believe. Was it? I, it was. I still believe. There we go. Oh, okay. Those are the. Those. Yeah. Those are the. Those are the three like bit wide releases that came out. Those in the in the last. Uh, before before theaters started shutting down for good, like, right. there's no new releases after that because uh, everything got, everything started getting pulled. That was the thing. Everything all the studios pulled their movies. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Bloodshot's the most compact movie they can say. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we got to uh, the before Bloodshot era <laughs> for the time being. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're that's going to do it um, for this week's out now there and Abe. What's next week? Next week we have there's a few things. Abe and I will talk about this, yep, but I know yeah. what there's that extraction movie, that big action movie of Chris Hemsworth produced by the Russo brothers. That's hitting Netflix. Um, let's see, Beastie Boys story, the documentary that's going to Apple TV. Um, see something like that, I would have loved to see with a theater with good sound. Right? It was going to play an IMAX. That was the yeah. thing. It was going to be amazing. Yeah. It would have been amazing. This is what we're missing out on, guys. Yeah. Which one would have played it in IMAX? Beastie Beastie Boys story. Oh, it was a big Beastie God. Boys documentary. It was going to be a live documentary. I was so intrigued by what this was going to be, and, and now I can't see it on a big screen. And I'm sad because <laughs> I'm a huge Beastie Boys fan. Drop. Um, all right. <laughs> with that, that in mind, that is going to do it for this week's Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing uh, weekly um, movie summaries of a bunch of reviews over at weleaveentertainment.com, and I'm reviewing Criterions over at ysblue.com. Um, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and Twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag putong, which is a word I learned from watching Les Mis. Mark Hoban, where can people find more of your work online? You can uh, follow me on my personal blog, fastfilmreviews.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter, mark underscore Hoban. Feel, uh, find all the other episodes of Out Now Authority on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, or HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Give us a little Facebook world, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. Mark Hoban, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, th- thank you for having me. I, I enjoyed the social interaction. <laughs> That's what we like to bring here, social interaction. Uh, but yeah, uh, stay tuned for, uh, you know, next... Well, actually, we'll, no, we'll have another show on Wednesday that we'll also talk about as far as what we're going to do there. Uh, but yeah, uh, get ready for just more content. And until next time, so long. And goodbye.
Miz, or put some of the trailer for Les Miserables. Oh, a lot of a lot of French grumbling, French grumbling. Oh, look at this, look at this rat in the back here. Oh, French grumbling. Oh no, there's these kids. Let's go and frisk him for no reason. And then frisking, frisking, frisking. Oh, I don't feel good about this. Oh, and then all of a sudden drone flying. Oh no, there's more uh, kids being beat up in the streets. We've got to go get that drone. Uh, Les Miserables title card. I mean, my trailer started with Anne Hathaway singing, but I mean, okay. <laughs> I so that Jack pulling a giant thing from a, a rope from a from a ship. I I don't I know you'll have your own ideas, but I think that little vignette that ga- a, just gave us should be at the end of the episode. That's the little bonus thing right <laughs> there. <you> there. <laughs> if we're voting, that's my my pick. <laughs> 